Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. Let's take a little uh, different view of the criminal defense system today, or perhaps I should say let's look at a different aspect of the system. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and certainly always uh, glad to have you back with us for uh, different episodes of Liberty and the Law, the monthly podcast uh, where we focus on the criminal defense system. Uh, each month, I'm joined by Lavelle Law Attorney James Dore, and on the podcast, we'll re- review recent cases, uh, action out of the Supreme Court, uh, laws that are being introduced or changed, or other aspects of the criminal defense system. Uh, today, we're going to direct our attention toward the juvenile court system. We haven't really done this before. Uh, maybe discuss a little bit about how it works, what makes it unique, and some of the uh, aspects that uh, take place in the juvenile system. So, James, good afternoon. Welcome back to Liberty and the Law. Hey, thanks, Jim. Uh, Happy New Year. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to another another year of Liberty and the Law, and uh, I guess we could start off the new year with uh, the juvenile law, and maybe by December we can work our way to elder law. How's that sound? Okay, perfect. Mark it down. I'll mark it down. <laughs> so that, that when we're talking about juvenile, let's let's take this right from the top. You know, uh, this is a new topic for us. It's one I hadn't really considered before. So when when crimes are committed by juveniles, and we'll, we'll talk today what we really mean by crime, how broad that description can be. But uh, do, does the case for a juvenile work its way through a different legal system or process than it would for an adult? It, it does. And, and starting with, you know, the juveniles are. are adjudicated for delinquent acts and not crimes. So they really, they try to uh, differentiate between adult criminal justice system and the juvenile court system that, uh, it, again, is, it's, it's focused on other things rather than just strictly punishment for criminal acts. So I, I was going to ask you, is, is there sort of a different objective, a different uh, outcome that's expected through uh, by putting someone through this system then? Right, right. Because because of the age and, and uh, the potential for rehabilitation, I guess, is, is greater for the youth than it would be for, say, an adult criminal offender. The, the system is set up differently because of that. There's different goals in mind and, and different standards that apply. Some things are the same, but there's, there's, there's major differences between the two systems, and mostly because of the age of the juvenile and the fact that um, the goal is is different. It's it's not punishment. It's rehabilitation. And uh, we've had the good fortune of talking to you many times here on the series, and we've learned about uh, the different processes, uh, uh, you know, pleadings and 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 uh, uh, all the different steps that you go through in a criminal case. And I don't want to get into all of those today, but you know, in general, is the process different then for a juvenile case than it would be for an adult? The process is different. Again, it's in a, a different court system, so you mm-hmm. won't find um, uh, adults being tried for crimes at the same time juveniles are being called up in front of the judge for their delinquent acts. So it's a separate system because of that. There's, there's a, um, you know, the, the courtrooms are closed to the public rather than open to the public, and in major reason for that is when adults commit crimes, that's it's a matter of public um, interest. And the, and the public is uh, allowed to participate in the process, you know, be, uh, have full uh, knowledge of the proceedings. Um, it's rare, rare occasions where courtrooms or adult courtrooms are closed to the public. But for juvenile, 
no strangers in there. You're going to have people only related to the case. So attorneys, uh, um, you know, maybe some welfare workers, DCFS workers, or other other case workers that are trying to help with the with the the case. And and are the judges then assigned specifically to one uh, system or another, or would, it, would a judge throughout the course of a day or week hear cases in both courts? Well, generally a judge will be assigned to one courtroom at a time, and if you're assigned to the juvenile building, that's where you're going to be. So um, you won't see that crossover. You can see in a career the same judge would spend some time in an adult courtroom and then maybe go to the juvenile building or some other place or uh, get out of the criminal law entirely and do some civil cases. But, um, you know, it's usually kind of one at a time. A judge will have one focus at a time. and that's um, In this case, it will be in the juvenile system. Mm-hmm. Now, as you take a look at the juvenile system, and I'm sure depending upon location and a number of other factors, there's a lot of different things that come through there, but is there sort of a a standard group of offenses that uh, might generally end up in uh, in the juvenile system? There's some some classic offenses that, you know, they're consistent through juvenile courtrooms across the country. You see a lot of theft, a lot of vandalism. Um, you see kids involved with alcohol or, or marijuana or maybe other drugs. Um, disorderly conduct, which is kind of a catch-all, but, um, you know, basically uh, uh, fights with other kids, you know, assault charges. Um, tobacco and, and curfew are probably the, the top ones that, you, that you'll find um, in the juvenile system. They're, they're not uh, severe offenses. Now, obviously, uh, um, a juvenile offender can be charged with uh, very serious uh, charges mm-hmm. that would um, mandate a transfer to an adult system. So these are more of the you know, typical kind of juvenile, young, you know, uh, um, young person kind of offenses that you'll commonly see in the system. And you can see with things like this why judges would think, okay, you know, do we want to necessarily uh, incarcerate a, a, a 14-year-old for uh, retail theft, or do we want to take that as a moment to to, to educate that that child? and to make sure that something like this doesn't happen in the future. So, um, you know, the punishment may be part of that, but ultimately mm-hmm. the, the goal is to rehabilitate so you don't have recidivism with the same same offenses. Yeah, now, in our the course of our other conversations, as we talked about criminal defense, we've often separated uh, infractions into misdemeanors and felonies and, in some cases, different classes of felonies. <laughs> Um, w- would juveniles be tried for felonies as well? Are they categorized crimes or offenses categorized in the same way? They are. They are. Then they they um, the punishment may be different, but the offense itself it, it would be charged in, in a similar fashion. Uh, it's the same uh, violation of the same statute, so it'd be cited in, in much the same way by the prosecutor. But the uh, um, the outcomes are different, certainly for somebody adjudicated delinquent of a felony case as opposed to uh, an adult courtroom where somebody has been found guilty of a, of a felony case. It's two different, um, you know, two different worlds there. And I I'm, wasn't sure where I was going to go with this conversation, and one thing I probably should have asked earlier, when we talk about being tried as a juvenile um, or being tried as an adult is, is there a hard age? I mean, if, if you're at this age, you are definitely an adult, and if you are below that, it starts at least in the juvenile system. Is that well, 18, 21? 17, 
Age 17 and younger for a misdemeanor is going to put you in a juvenile justice system, and 16 or younger as a, at a felony level would put you there, um, provided the felony offense isn't something serious like a, a sexual assault or a, a first-degree murder or something like that. In cases where they're really severe, you're looking to transfer to an adult court, whether it's mandatory or uh, by way of a motion. And, uh, again, that's, that's, when things get more severe, then we're not talking necessarily juvenile justice system anymore. You're talking the adult courtroom with maybe a little bit different treatment because a judge is aware of the age of the defendant in front of them at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, it, that's adult courtroom, and, and there's, a, there's a philosophy of, you know, you, you committed this crime and this is where you are now, and you're going to deal with, your, with this system here. And is that determination made by the prosecutor or are they the ones who would make the motion to move it to adult uh, system? They, it, initially, yes, the, the prosecutors mm-hmm. would be, have the most uh, power over something like that. Um, James Doerr is our uh, guest today, as always, a very experienced and knowledgeable criminal defense attorney. He's, he's practiced uh, for several decades in this area, many of them with Lavelle Law. And you can read James's bio and learn more about his training and background and, and the achievements and uh, acknowledgments he's received by visiting LavelleLaw.com and uh, checking out his profile page. Uh, also, you pick up some articles uh, that he's authored and, and download, uh, well, I guess now several years' worth of conversations from this series. Um, you and I talk in different cases about your relationship with the police, um, how they factor into charges being filed and how they provide information to the prosecutors. Any sense for um, you know how, how law enforcement officials feel about juvenile cases and, and how they like to uh, uh, see them handled? Sure. Well, in some really minor ones, there's, a, there's a, a tool out there called a police station adjustment, okay? And that's a, a, in the criminal code. It allows police officers to you know, make an arrest, you know, bring, some, bring a, an offender down to the station. And then what's called the, the adjustment is release without any kind of formal charges, okay? And so police are allowed to kind of do, do those informally or formally. There, there's a, what's called a police station adjustment. So some officers can take minor things and try to take care of them themselves, um, you know, with kind of that hands-on policing approach, you know. Um, and sometimes that works. Sometimes it, there's a, a, a juvenile's released and never to be heard of from again. And then we would come back later on to try to expunge something like that, um, which can be done. But um, mm-hmm. so that's. But the, but generally, you know, in, in, you know my philosophy on these things. Um, it's better to keep your mouth shut and not talk to the police if you're at all concerned about some kind of a, a charges or anything like that. So. Um, you know, I'd, I'd want the, in a case like this, I'd want the parents to be involved with their with their child, and seriously consider not talking until a, uh, an attorney is present. Now, there's some minor things that that, that that some parents can handle on their own, but I would be very uh, very wary. And uh, again, the protections that we have in our constitution for adults, so a lot of the same protections apply to to minors. So. Um, you know, you do have a right to an attorney in, in, through these proceedings. Um, you know, you do have a right to confront and cross-examine witnesses and things like remaining silent. I would encourage uh, uh, any 
youthful offender uh, being questioned to strongly consider remaining silent, at least until talking with an attorney. Now, we can always change our minds. We can always talk to the police afterwards and say, okay, we're willing to make a statement now, but at least let the, the, the attorney review everything to make sure that the, the client is not putting himself in jeopardy by making any further statements to the police. What about you? You mentioned parents. What about the role of parents in in uh, juvenile cases? Um, uh, are they expected to um, to sort of be there throughout the entire process? Is there some responsibility on their end to to participate? That's that's correct. The the, the parents will be notified to appear in court or at the uh, juvenile court system through through all proceedings. Um, both parents will be required to be there unless a judge grants a uh, you know. A, a reason for uh, missing court, but uh, no, the, the parents are responsible for being in court, and uh, it's it kind of a wake-up call sometimes when, when parents realize, like, hey, I got to take off work every time that this goes into court, and yes, they do, and it's it's tough, it, and um, it's something to keep in mind too. Keep in mind. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned, uh, you know, your your philosophy of of not sharing information any more than you have to, and. Uh, we've we've seen that many times in in all different conversations. Uh, anything different about your work as you uh, approach defending uh, someone in a juvenile case? Things you would do differently, or um, a different approach to what you would normally do in your routine work? Well, again, I mean, I, I would review the case for strength and weakness, like I would any other prosecutor case that they're intending to prosecute. Do they have their evidence? What is it? Do they have problems proving their case? But I also want to keep an eye towards the, the goal of the system is rehabilitation. The goal, the primary goal would be to keep the child with the parents, okay, and do it, it, um, the least restrictive means to, to accomplish the rehabilitation. And so I want to work with the judge as much as I can. And I want to bring the, the positive attributes of the family, uh, how involved they are, anything positive about that, that youthful offender that I can bring across to the judge, say, hey, we have a family structure here. We have, uh, he is a good student. You know, he's, he's uh, you know, there's whatever positive aspects, you know, work, whatever the, the child is doing is positive. I want to bring that to the judge's attention so we can try to craft the most, um, you know, the least restrictive uh, punishment that they have uh, in order to make sure that that, again, that, that, that kid won't be back in court again. So we want to uh, rehabilitate. That's the goal. It's not, this is not punishment here. So, Goal is different. The goal is, uh, is talking with the pro- with the um, judges and trying to fashion that uh, you know, that that punishment that's going to that that sentence that's going to achieve sentence, the goal yeah. of rehabilitation without punishment. Um, well, I think we've uh, certainly got parents' attention now, and I think uh, that that's a great way to wrap things up here and maybe lead us to future conversations. Uh, James Doerr is our guest. Eight four seven seven zero five seven five 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 or LavelleLaw.com. I'm sure you may want to follow up with him. Please do. We'll look forward to talking to you very soon again. Thanks.